Hello, everyone. Chris here again with another episode of the Make It podcast. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving and you're completely stuffed and had a great time with your family. And today we have maybe seconds, uh, a little bit of uh, yesterday's turkey or ham or mac and cheese for you here on this podcast. A nice little treat, if you will, for the weekend as you go into it. We have director, writer, Terry Jingles. Uh, So here's a little bit about Terry. Terry was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. He is a director and producer known for The Woman, Praying for Lust, and Ignorance is Bliss. Terry's latest project is an impactful short film named BTSD, or Black Traumatic Stress Disorder. It's a film that explores what the psychological effect of violence displayed in the media on people of color is. Uh, Here's a little bit more about the short from Terry. So, quote, uh, we have all been there. That moment when a police car pulls up behind us, your eyes dart back and forth in the rearview mirror, your hands grip the steering wheel a little tighter, your foot magically becomes lighter on the gas. This is something that we can all relate to. Now add in all the memories in recent years that have been replayed in the media over and over of African-Americans' interaction with law enforcement. That adds an extra layer to the situation. The idea for BTSD came to me after the Walter Scott incident in 2015. I was taken aback by how much mainstream media normalized airing an actual murder on television during all times of the day. I began to wonder what kind of effect viewing his murder along with the countless others, would have on people of all ages and colors. Does it make African Americans more defensive when they're out in public? Doesn't it make people who are not African American more offensive when encountering African Americans? Was there a trickle-down psychological effect that stems from these incidents? End quote. Terry currently resides in Los Angeles, where I met him in 2014 with the crew of Selma to honor Dick Gregory's star on the Walk of Fame. So, without further ado, I give you prolific writer, owner of 700 DVDs, and the owner of the second sweetest 18-foot jumper in independent film. That's because I own the sweetest jumper in independent film. I give you director and writer, Terry Jingles. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Hey, what's going on? I'm Terry Jingles, a uh, writer, director, uh, published author, and I moonlight as a songwriter. <laughs> the, products, uh, the projects I've worked on in the past is uh, Americana, which was a uh, online web series pilot, and uh, a soda show to the Weed Network a couple years ago called Uncut. And uh, currently I am prepping for my first uh, feature film, which is titled uh, Shadow. And I'm also currently prepping a short film uh, that um, I haven't titled yet. So yeah, that's it. Perfect, man. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, this has been a long time coming, so I'm, I'm super excited. I think uh, we first met you guys and, and yourself like in 2014, right? Yeah, man. It's been, it's been, I guess it's been four years, right? That's yeah, crazy. I know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Time, time flies. I, I was just telling the story on uh, social um, a couple of days ago about how we met Rashid at the same at the same thing. And, and that, uh, Rashid was like jonesing on Omarosa and, uh, <laughs> but, but Omarosa had come up to me about an hour earlier and just gave me your phone number. 
Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, I was there. <laughs> I that. Yeah. And I just, I just met him maybe like a year ago. So when I saw him on your show, I was, I was excited to hear the, that interview. So that was really cool, man. Yeah, I know. So we've, we've kept up with everybody. And, um, and so I went and get uh, Omarosa's number to, to Rashid. And then I, <laughs> and then I had them take a selfie together. Hilarious. So, yeah, so, <laughs> so I have those pictures. It's it's great. And, I wonder did he um, call her. I wonder did he did he ever call her. That's see that's funny. see that's why that's partly why I tell the story because I, I wonder I wonder if he if he shot his shot. Hey man, when that was <laughs> L A stays in L A, man. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and and none of us could have foreseen foreseen kind of the 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 way that her story would, would maturate over the next few years, you know, in alignment with Trump. So, um, it happened so quick, man. Like really nobody idea. Yeah, seriously. Really quick. So, so interesting. Um, how, how, uh, life works. And here we are in 2018 and we're back together again. And I'm curious, um, from, from your perspective, you've been doing this a long time, Terry, uh, hmm. you know, what is the biggest challenge you've overcome, as a filmmaker so far and how did you overcome it man my biggest challenge as a filmmaker or as a as a creative person period has been uh completion uh finishing something um and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad you just got to get to the finish line and you know whatever whatever uh, mistakes or lessons that you uh that you learn on the last project you, you just got to apply to the next project you can't sit around and try to perfect something you know um, that's how stuff doesn't come out. <laughs> so what you do is just, you know, you do the best you can on that project with the, put your all, all into it and, uh, and have the courage to walk away from it. And, um, just know what, and whatever you learn from that project, apply to the next project. You know, I was talking to a, um, a pretty well-known comedian, probably around the same time you and I met. And, um, we had the same conversation and, uh, he was really complaining about not complaining, but concerned about perfection and putting out perfect projects. And I told him, man, like, dude, that's never going to happen. You're always going to see your flaws. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at George Lucas as somebody who's made billions of dollars off of uh, Star Wars. And he's putting out a new version like every 10 years, you know? So you're never going to perfect it, man. Just just do your best. Leave it on the table and, and you know. Start a, start a new meal. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I really appreciate that that feedback because uh, and, and it, it, because it's actually sound advice as a creative in general. You know, mm-hmm. I have a background in music. That's where I started. I have a really close friend that's a sculptor, and oh. and I love because because I know nothing about sculpting and mm-hmm. working with with metals and woods things like that. I'm, I always ask him questions, probably ad nauseum, right? And right. And he always tells me, you know, one of the most difficult things is knowing when to stop shaving things off your sculpt, your sculpture, especially as an abstract sculpt, a sculptor. Right. Mm, I can so, see that. So you're constantly like, oh, I could have done. You're always going back to your canvas over and over and over again. And eventually it's it's got to it's got to shine the way it is. Um, relating it back to music, the number one way to kill a song is to overproduce it. I, oh yeah, for sure. I've been I've been there before. <laughs> yeah, I've been there before. I'm actually I'm 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 like teetering on that right now with my short film. You know what I'm saying? But it's like it's only because it's you, you just want to add layers to it. You know that are um you know that 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 give the the piece more color, but but you just don't want to do too much. You got you got to find a way to be subtle. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and where you know you're just peppering people with certain topics or certain uh uh stories you know so that's 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 what i'm teetering in that line right at this very moment with this project i'm on right now so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i get it yeah and and one of the great descriptions <laughs> that my that my sculpting friend gave me was that you know as a, most art you're adding you're creating something from nothing and mm-hmm. to get to a point where you think you should stop because you don't want to destroy the the vibe you don't want to interrupt the story or, or the emotion you're trying to emote and communicate to the, to the audience in, mm-hmm. in sculpting, you start with everything in front of you and you take away. It's, mm. it's, it's this art of reduction. Uh, wow. that's so, so cool and interesting. Um, 
that that uh, he really surprised me with with that language. And I think it's very useful for filmmaking. I think it's useful for screenwriting. I think it's useful for songwriting. Is what if you had the whole idea already and you just reduced from it until you couldn't take anything else away from it uh, without without losing its meaning? And that's when you know you're finished. Right, right. That's an interesting perspective there, man. <laughs> Very yeah. interesting. Um, so, so now, fast forward to 2018, uh, you kind of understand um, how to walk away from a project, and you're probably one of these creatives that has you know 40 things you've written stacked up somewhere uh, in the corner of a room. Uh, so, so today, what is the biggest challenge you're facing? Oh, the biggest challenge I'm facing today is finding financing. <laughs> I think that's the biggest uh, challenge for any filmmaker. Um, the feature, I'm, I was a director for hire on this feature, so I'm not really on the producing end of that one. But in the meantime, I, uh, with this short film, I just got it sent to a, just got a, a budget made for it. And it came back, you know, pretty steep. <laughs> and, right. um, and and I'm now shopping, talking to different producers to see if they can you know what, what they can do with it budget wise. Um, and I already have, I have one investor, but you know, I would have to find some more or maybe do like a, a Kickstarter or something. But yeah, I mean, that's a challenge with filmmaking, man. It's the only, it's like one of the only art forms where you need a lot of money to practice your craft, you know, um, other, you know, uh, if you're a musician, you can buy an instrument, you know, if you're a painter, you can buy paint and, and canvases like, and then you're done. You just, you know, then you can practice your craft. You know, if you're a writer, you just write. But with filmmaking, you know, especially just telling a decent stories, you need some money. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you know, it, it, just to pay your the other professionals that you respect their craft to contribute to your story, you know? So, yeah, that's the uh, that's the biggest hurdle, man. It's a big one, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really agree with that. And and we, we consider financing a first principle for for filmmakers. Um, mm-hmm. the, the question is, is how many methods are you, are you going to employ to get uh, to satisfy that principle? Right. Okay. And, you know, in our consults, you know, Nick and I, we would tell you that if your short film isn't a essentially a long form trailer for a feature film you're going to do, mm-hmm. do not spend uh, over three thousand dollars when you're short. Right. Um, because because that is that is a, a losing formula for ninety nine percent of uh, filmmakers that are making a short uh, unless unless you have the three thousand dollars and 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 you just want to you know get your idea out that that's that's different so everybody's different in terms of where they are economically but if you're sort of um, an independent artist and you need financing from other people um, you know you you will. You will waste their money and lose their money on a short. Uh, in most cases, if it's if it's on the upside of that of that budget number, I, I, I do, that's that's my concern. <laughs> that is totally my concern. Right. But it's like one of the things because I, I I told myself a while ago that I was done filming shorts because you know unless it was a story that was like burning in my heart to tell, and this happened to be one man. <laughs> so. And I can't run away from it. I've been trying. I wrote the original draft of this three years ago, and that then this in recent months just put it back out and started. Uh, I guess like like your friend who's uh, uh who's the sculptor, <laughs> mm-hmm. shaving it down, shaving it down, and uh, it turned out into a, a beautiful piece. So yeah, man. Uh, but I totally agree with you with the financial uh, the three thousand dollar limit budget. For right. Sure. Right, because the thing you can do is is once you recognize that the short isn't the thing, mm-hmm. um, but the thing you're going to make after the short is the thing. So, so if you approach an investor and say, "I have a long term audience branding and marketing plan," okay, for this larger asset, let's say a feature film that we believe will do this, this, and this. So, example A, B, or C, whatever. And step one is to create a short that speaks to that film and we can use it as a, as a marketing asset. Then you might have an investor's ear because now you're playing a long game 
that could be very compelling to them, right? But if you're but if your pitch is here's my short, I really love it. It's a passion project for me. It's going to be great. Give me write me a check. That's going to be really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so, so so understanding um, some of these first principles like you do and, and like you just mentioned, um, that comes from a place and you got into this, um, um, you know, probably fairly young. When would you say it was the, the, the first time you knew you were going to do this? Like what age? Um, well, man, that's a, I mean, that's kind of a long story, not a long story, but I really... When I found out I wanted to be a filmmaker, I realized I wanted to be one my whole life, right? So when I was young, I, I, I wanted to be a photographer. Um, and I, that, you know, I was, you know, people said I couldn't make money doing that. So then I wanted to be a greeting card writer and get the same spiel about you can't make money being doing that. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into college, uh, I was a marketing major. And then, um, you know, probably my sophomore, fresh, in my freshman year, I was like, I just don't want to do this marketing thing. And so I went through the, the the course book and saw what kind of other majors they offered. Well, first of all, I wrote down 10 things I love to do, and film watching was the number one thing. And so uh, when I went to the, the course guy, I saw they had a film, uh, they offered a film major. So the next day I changed my major. But what I realized while I was um, going to my film classes is that uh, photography is just telling pictures through, telling stories through pictures. Um, Greeting card writing, which is writing stuff sentimental to admit something to somebody. And then marketing is just everything that goes into putting the film out. So I was like, I've always kind of wanted to do this. You know what I'm saying? So I would say I was about 18 or 19 years old when I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker. So when you made that shift, what were the two best pieces of advice you received and who did they come from? Oh, I don't have... I didn't really get any, any really great advice until about three years later when I moved out here. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what, what was that advice? Um, the, the, number one advice came from a director named Paris Barclay. And Paris used to be the president of the, of the DGA, and he's a really fantastic uh, television director. And I was on a set one day, and I was a, I was a, a stand-in for for Bill Bellamy on a commercial, and and I, and I was out here, and I came out here, you know, in 2002. So this is before digital filmmaking was the thing to do, and I learned how to shoot on film. So I got out here. I didn't know, and I, I it was really hard to shoot uh, to continue shooting until I finally crossed over to digital. But he was like, uh, "Yeah, what is it? What is it that you want to do?" And I was like, "Yeah, I went to film school, so you know, I'm a director. I want to direct." And he was like, well, people would remember you how they met you. And, you know, you're my stand in right now. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of amazing to expound <laughs> upon what you think he meant by that and why it stuck with you all these years. It stuck me with that because like people like if I if, if people met me as a production uh, a PA or intern or stand in like you know, it'd be that much harder for me to convince them that I am a filmmaker. But if they meet me and I tell them I'm a filmmaker or they see my work as a filmmaker, it doesn't, and it doesn't matter what level it is, they know that's how they meet me. That's how they know me as, as a director. So that's how I took it. And I was like, you know what? He's right. <laughs> so let me go ahead and embrace this digital filmmaking and, uh, you know, make it do what it do. So yeah, that's that was something that stopped me in my tracks. You know what I'm saying? And I thought that was like the last day I ever did any like standing work like that. Yeah, this, <laughs> this idea of 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 being confident about who you are mm-hmm. and making sure you present that way is so important. Um, the uh, Isaiah Stratton talked about this about you know never apologizing for the space you take up as an artist. Mm. And, I, and I think a lot of artists live with a degree of imposter syndrome where they come in and say, I'm this, this, and this. And then in the back of their mind, they, there's that little voice, that evil little voice is saying to them, Oh, but you haven't achieved anything. They're going <laughs> to, you- they're going to expose you. They're going to find out that you really are this. And we have to kill that voice. I, I think that doubles back to what I said, what I said earlier about completion. You complete something and that's what you are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So complete it. And that, that completion will kill that little voice. 
in your head every yeah. time you can see yeah. something. So, nah, I mean, like I said, it doesn't have to be good. It, it can be good or bad, big or small. Just get past that finish line, and and that will help. That will that's a block in the foundation of confidence. I love that. Um, any other advice? What, what would be a second piece of advice that you got that that really has stuck with you throughout your career? And uh, who did it come from? I I used to be uh, I was a personal assistant for uh, hip hop legend Scarface. I was that for about a year or so, and so I used to always go with him uh, everywhere, you know. And um, and I used to, and whenever he was in the studio, I would write. Cause I write poetry and I write uh, songs. And uh, he told me one time, he said, uh, if your ass ain't crying when you're done writing, then you didn't write the right shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally, uh, that's how I write. Like, if I'm not emotional, if I'm not crying when I'm done with that last sentence or that last word, then it's not good, you know? And so that's that's just how I write. And that's how I write my poetry. That's how I write uh, my songs. And that's how I write uh, my scripts as well, too. You know, it has to be because if I if I don't feel that, then nobody else, they're not going to feel that, you know. So that's that's the that's the main ingredient of my Kool-Aid, man. I love it. Yeah. And, and Scarface. Wow. That's uh, that's that's awesome. That's my guy right there, man. I, I I was a I was a baby out here when I got that job. And it was I was very grateful for it. You know, it's one of those things like. You look back on it, and you're like, man, that really happened. But when you're living in the moment and trying to be cool and trying to act as if, you know, <laughs> you exactly. don't take moments, you know. But I wish I would have took in more moments. And uh, and this is before we all had camera phones and video. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have any proof of that besides, you know, the fact that we, we and him still communicate every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, there's no proof that me and him ever hung out. <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty freaking wild yeah no i i have moments like that for sure I, I think back a lot to my my business mentor uh rj and times we spent and me being so young and, and arrogant and mm. and trying to be equal in the room without the experience and you know being this minority in a room full of non-minorities many times and and working with people in rock and in country and americana there was an insecurity there but 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 just to be able to sit back and maybe do more listening at that time would have been so so valuable and uh, i also interned with uh, a guy named wayne perry who passed away um but but great natural yep. songwriter and and both of those people had something in common where they both kind of turned to me and said uh you know, Chris, uh, just, just watch, just observe, just listen, and then you will learn something. Um, and, and I really appreciate them, but I, but there are a lot of things I left on the table, a lot of things left on the table with those guys. Uh, wish, wish I could go back and, and do it again, but that, that is not life. Is it Terry? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things I look back at my twenties and I'm like, ah, oh, what I was, I was arrogant too. And this, you know, just, you just, you just cringe sometimes, but I mean, that's what helps us become the person we are today, you know, uh, just go, going back on your mistakes. And even now, and I'm like going through stuff, uh, I always try to take a moment to take it in. And because these are memories we're creating, you know, yep. so um, gratitude. I, yeah, just take a moment and, and breathe. Yeah, I love that's it. real. So, so you, you might have just done it without me asking you, but uh, what advice would you give? any filmmaker, writer, creative in film that would be starting today, what would be your number one advice you'd give them? I would tell them to study your craft, study the greats, watch a lot of film, watch good film, watch bad film, watch old, I watch uh, old films, new films. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to study, you have to know, you can't make this, make films and not know the past, you know, like, I, I'm always watching older films. And I don't mean films like from 1970. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about films from the right. 30s, 40s, 50s, you know? You know, the, the Double Indemnity, uh, Sunset Boulevard, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing, you know, you know like uh, Casablanca, like Rififi. Like there's a lot of films that, that um, <laughs> there's a whole history of this, of this craft that you have to study and you can learn from because these guys have been doing techniques 
you know what I'm saying, forever. Like, if you watch Touch of Evil, which is an Orson Welles film, I think, it, I don't know, it came out in the 50s maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, that camera work that film is, like, amazing. <laughs> like, you'd be like, man, this was made 1950-something? Like, no, like, people have been doing this for a while. So you have to, know, you have to, you have to study your craft That's, and, and know the greats and, and, and understand what makes them great. Yeah, I and and so many have come back and said, um, you know, study your craft, and we'll talk a little bit more about craft later, and, and kind of how to do it, getting the specifics of of what you mean, uh, so mm-hmm. that so that the the feedback for the listener isn't isn't you know overly broad, but okay. um, but I am curious, um, keeping along this same line, you might have had an experience where you saw someone new that had that sort of arrogance that we had in our twenties and, and sort of not understanding the work you have to put in, um, going along those lines, like what is, and, and what are the biggest creative and business mistakes you see new creatives making right now? Um, I would say not in, not embracing their journey, um, and trying to compare their journey to everybody else's journey. I mean, we like we all have our own path and you have to embrace it we all learn at a different rate um so I, that would be one thing um another thing you know as far as, far as filmmaking uh it's like paying attention to every aspect of filmmaking um like it's not just pointing the camera and shoot it's like why are you using that camera angle why are you using that lens uh you have to embrace your sound design um uh, uh, set dressing, wardrobe, the score, everything, all these tools you got to pay attention to. This is what filmmaking is. And um, I feel that, you know, it is something you learn, you know, like, you know, I, I'm, my first couple of films like that weren't, you know, the sound was bad and, you know, can't really, you know, whack angles, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but, the, but if I learned that earlier, it would have saved me a lot of time, a lot more time. That's okay. for sure. So would you consider that the creative mistake or the business mistake or both? Uh, that's just creative. Uh, the business mistake, uh, mistake would be uh, knowing ways going into a project, how you're going to recoup the money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just say I just feel that's a mistake people don't even think about. They just want to shoot and you're like, and that's no, as a filmmaker, you have to be responsible and know where that's going to go. You know, you just can't be shooting stuff like, you know, unless, you know, unless it's just, you know, pet projects. But um, when you're trying to use other people's money, you got to figure out how are we going to get their money back? So I feel that's a mistake not knowing that prior to. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a question that Nick and I ask on every discovery call that we take. You know, how, what is your plan? to generate mm-hmm. revenues in every stage of exi- exhibition. Mm-hmm. Because if, if your plan was to make all the money back on the buy as an independent, well, guess what? How many independent buyers are there? A. B, how many independent buyers give you any type of minimum guarantee? Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so so that plan's probably going to fall flat based on your, your um, sort of lack of knowledge on how that side of the business works. Uh, if you do get an MG, will it cover the budget? Because it, it probably won't. Um, mm-hmm. So then you have to think long about at each window of exhibition. So VOD, SVOD, theatrical release, um, aftermarket, digital download, however you want to put it out there. What is a plan that you have ready, like you were mentioning, Terry, to to generate revenues and take care of your investors so that they might be encouraged to invest in your next project? Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, it's one of those, I think it's, it's just one of those things that, like you say, you, like, you just learn that as you go. You learn that as you go, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 and we're artists, man. So you're like, we don't like thinking like that. <laughs> you know? That's so true. That, that is literally why Bonsai exists. So that, you, uh-huh. so that you can be an artist and, and someone else can think like that on your behalf. Yes. We're going to have to talk after this. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Would love it. And um, uh, curious how you would, how you would approach this, you know, taking off your creative 
uh, our creator hat and then putting on your 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 sort of instructor teacher mentor hat you know if you had one month to teach someone how to make a film what would be the first three things you would teach them uh, well, the first thing would be, I, I would double back on what I said earlier. I would teach, I would sit them down and we would study all the classics. We would study the Citizen Kane's, the Lawrence of Arabia's, the, all the Kubrick's, uh, the David Lane's, the, uh, um, uh, blanking right now, but all the great, all the, all the great directors, you know, Michael Cortese, I, we would just study and, and, and get a, a respect for the craft of filmmaking. Uh, second, uh, let, sec- let me jump in on you, Terry. Sorry. Sure. Um, yeah. um, but I, I want to expound upon that a little bit. Um, okay. When you study and break down, and I'm just speaking to you specifically here, um, and, and maybe it applies to the student, this, this hypothetical student that, that you're teaching. Um, when you look at a classic film, what are you looking for? Uh, I'm looking at, well, well story, Compositions. Um, why did this? Uh, did he you, or he or she use that that angle, that shot? Uh, you know, in that particular scene. Um, I'm real big on scores. Um, uh, I'm love. Uh, I love film noir. So like, I'm always watching how to like play with shadows and dark and 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 and, uh, and light. So those are just some of the things that I'm, uh, that I'm really like looking at, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That helps. So sorry, uh, continue. What would be the second thing you would teach? Oh, the second thing, well, I just kind of said it would be, I was, I would, uh, I was teach work on compositions, lighting, blocking, uh, playing with different shots, thinking about transitional shots when you're trying to get in and out of a scene, uh, knowing why, Learning and knowing why you're using a certain type of shot. Like, why are you doing an over the shoulder here? Why are you punching in for a close up here? Why are you doing this wide shot? Um, like, these are, uh, I would teach the visual part of filmmaking. I feel uh, I'm really big on compositions and having frames that look amazing, um, but that tell the story too. And I feel sometimes, especially with young younger filmmakers, is that they don't take a lot of that into consideration, you know, so even what, you know, set design or how the room's painted and how to, you know, how the lights coming in from the window or that, like, uh, there's a lot of things that when it's done right, you don't notice, but when it's done wrong, you do notice. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's something we always say about editing. You know, when a movie is edited well, when you have no comments about how the movie was edited. <laughs> right. 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 It's like, right. Oh, this is a really good job. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and, and what would you, uh, what would you uh, finish up with? What would be the third thing you teach? The third thing is I would teach sound design. Um, film is just as much of an experience sonically as it is visually. Um, and a, a lot of times, uh, earlier filmmakers, like the sound design is not good. And speaking from experience, you don't want to be in post having to fix sound because that's really, that's really expensive. <laughs> it, it'll, it'll probably cost you more than your budget you used to shoot. So, right, right. so I'm really big on sound design. I mean, I, I, you know, and plus sound design is just fun. Like I love post-production in general. Like, that's the best part of filmmaking to me like the, the actual filming part I, I i love it's like hunting and gathering but i'm in love with post-production you know and i think that's me being a sculpture you know what i mean making a sculpture and that's me carving it down and adding this and putting that there like it's it's a puzzle piece at that point and it's that's the best part of it that's that's what's intoxicating man fantastic 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 stuff yeah, because I, I I do I do dig this idea of first let's contextualize by studying. Mm-hmm. Then now you know now you know what you like. Uh, it's it's hard to polish your craft um, when you don't have a sense of of who you are and what you like and dislike. And then there's a I think there's also a moment to that where where uh, or part of that that's really dangerous. Like if you consume too much of someone else's art then mm-hmm. suddenly your art will look like their art, uh, even if you didn't intend it. Um, That's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I remember doing that in songwriting and some of my, my group, I had a singing group named Solace. And I remember I wrote a song and one of my uh, uh, band members was like, man, this song sounds just like this. Are you sure you didn't just steal that? And I was like, <laughs> I, was like <laughs> I was like, you know what? I didn't intend to, but maybe I did. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe I did. Cause I, I like the melody so much. I just wrote my own story around their melody. Hey man, you know, but that's how I, that's how I got into songwriting. I was just trying to write my own words over melodies or, or, or already existing songs. That's how I got into it. Yeah. You know, but you're right though. You got, you, if you, if you do consume too much of, of one particular person's art, you will, it'll, it'll show definitely. So that's why you got, that's why, that's why you're going to study a, a bunch of stuff, you know, and it's like, put, it's like making gumbo. You just keep adding stuff and then you'll have your own, your own flavor at some point. Yeah, I call it in filmmaking Wes Anderson itis. Oh, it's, no. it's, it's where you consume too much Wes Anderson because he's such a, um, um, a savant and, and, and so individual in, in the way he makes things that suddenly everybody makes a movie that sounds and looks like Wes Anderson, uh, even even without intending to. And you can't. <laughs> and you can't. Exactly. Exactly. It's so. It's- so particularly, like that's just his style. You know what I'm saying? Like that, he's an auteur. That's that's his thing, man. Yeah, total you know? auteur. Yeah, you know yeah. when you see it for sure. And uh, mm-hmm. speaking of speaking of auteurs, who, who do you most uh, admire and, and want to emulate? And what do they do from a technical or skill standpoint that makes the people you admire stand apart? Man, I have such a, a long list, man. Um, I'll give you the list, and I, I guess we can, or I can tell you as I, as I go what they what they mean to me. But uh, Stanley Kubrick, he's probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Um, he's just all of his films are like perfection to me. He shot, he shot every genre: comedy, war films, Hollywood epics, film noir, love story, period piece, teenage angst film, horror film, science fiction. Like so, it's like there's he there's a film for everything, every genre that he did. So mm-hmm. if you if somebody gets hired to do a film. You can just like go watch one of his films of that same genre and get like a very good foundation for, for <laughs> to, to start your to, uh, your journey with your story. Because like the guy right. just he was just um, he, he's just a per- he was just perfection man. He played uh, his attention to detail was ridiculous. His frames were ridiculous. Like how he used music was ridiculous. Um, people and people say he's a a cold filmmaker, but I, I don't feel like he's cold. You know. Um, and one of my favorite films of all time is, um, it's the killing. It's like his second, well, really like his third film. Um, but I think he considered it his second film. And, uh, it's just a film, a great film noir, um, high story. And if you look at it, you can kind of see where Tarantino might've used a little bit of that, uh, in the storytelling, uh, mm-hmm. cause not totally, uh, in linear, uh, fashion. So yeah, I love Kubrick. Um, I'm just now starting to really appreciate Steven Spielberg. Like I've always loved his films, you know, like he's like my childhood, right? Um, but just seeing how much of a master storyteller, filmmaker that he is, um, the way he moves the camera and it's so fluid and smooth. Um, I saw the post early, the post uh, early this year with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, and um, I was just like watching with my mouth open like his his wonder game his one takes are like amazing because like he'll start with a wide shot then he'll <laughs> then he'll pull in for a medium then he'll steal a close-up then he'll pull back for over the shoulder dolly from one side of the room to the next while falling back into another wide shot it's like it's just mass it's just someone you just watching a uh a master filmmaker a master artist uh, you're watching a painter just paint his canvas man and it uh He's he's just dope. So I, I I it's not like I didn't respect him early, early on. But it's like you know it's one of those things. But I Spielberg, we know he's great. Yeah. Uh, but but now it's like, you know, as I continue on my journey, you're like, oh, this is why this guy is really really freaking good. You know. Yeah, I find Spielberg the easiest person to take for granted. Yeah, because he's so good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's why I was like. I had to go back and just watch his stuff, you know, because, you know, like I said, he's our childhood. He's, 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 it's Americana, man, you know? Yep. 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 
Um, and Spike Lee, um, because he's just fearless. Like, he tells the stories he wants to tell. And he's also a master filmmaker as well. You know what I'm saying? And he has diversity in his stories. Uh, and he's also one of the best documentary filmmakers of all time, too. You know? Um, and, you know, plus he looks like me. You know what I'm saying? So seeing somebody when I was younger, you know, was the first person um, that really inspired me just as a kid having the questions about filmmaking was probably Singleton. And when Boys in the Hood came out, like when that, when Boys in the Hood came out, I remember I watched that one summer, like every day for a summer, like to the point where I could recite the whole film. <laughs> yeah, like I was really obsessed with that. You know what I'm saying? But like just you know just uh, seeing that. But but other filmmakers, man, that I mean, Michael Mann, Billy Wilder, Mark Scorsese, Ridley, Tony Scott, Barry Jenkins, Michael Cortese, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, Jason Reitman, uh, Terrence Malick. You know, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a, a Tarantino. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many people that, 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 that you, that I steal from Carl Franklin, you know? Um, so yeah, man, that's a, that's my list. I mean, it's not, that's not my list list, but that's a nice little, um, sprinkle. <laughs> Good place to get started. And, and yeah. so, and so, um, curious what, what you think, um, Everyone is 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 trying to get to a place, you know, in their career, regardless of what role they play uh, in in film and in creating a film. You know, we've interviewed, you know, everyone, uh, sound people, directors, writers, producers, um, makeup artists, design, set design, like we've editors, and and so um, in your mind, uh, focused on 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 your concentration, what would you say are the top three resources? for someone trying to become that, that next, um, Kubrick, that next, uh, Spielberg, Spike Lee, et cetera. Uh, resources. Uh, well, I would say YouTube is a huge resource. Yeah. Uh, and there's, a and there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, different accounts that are dedicated to film. Um, one that I like a lot is called film courage. Uh, and they interviewed directors, DPs, writers, everybody you just said, they, they interviewed those, you know, they interviewed the uh, Barry Jenkins and the Roger Deakins and every, every major person that's been is they, they interviewed for a good half hour to 45 minutes. And they're really discussing their craft and the choices they made and why they made the choices, why they wanted to tell that particular story. Um, I can spend, I've gone on many of, uh, YouTube rabbit holes <laughs> on that channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another film. There's another one that I also watched called uh, "Now You See It," and this uh, one breaks down the aspects of filmmaking and is showing examples through po- through uh, popular classic films, uh, showing uh, camera moves or how to make a plot twist or how to end the movie. Uh, they they break down uh, what makes a viewer connect with a film in every way. So that's a really, really good one. Is this online, Jerry? Uh, yeah, this is a, these are all on YouTube. This is all on YouTube. These are all uh, okay. Film Courage, and now you see it. These are different channels on YouTube. Oh, gotcha, um, gotcha. I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, and another channel, which is good for beginning filmmakers, is a, as a, a young cat. Uh, his name is D. Fidarius, and he's basically a film professor online. <laughs> and he talks about every part of directing uh, of filmmaking, like picking cameras, setting up lights, recording sound, sound design. It's a really good tool for anybody who's new to filmmaking or for people who are professionals who, who need to pick me up, hearing somebody talk about filmmaking, that are excited about talking about filmmaking, because that helps too. You know what I'm saying? You, sometimes, you know, you might get to a little love point, and you need that shot in the arm, and just hearing somebody talk about their love for something that you love, you're like, oh, this is why we do it, you know? So yeah. that helps, yeah. man. Um, another resource is just uh, Amazon and order movies. Because <laughs> I, I have a hell of a library, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know. How many movies do you own, Terry? Oh, I would probably say, uh, probably say about 700. 700? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll wow. take it. I should take a picture of some of the library because I, I, everything can't fit on the shelf now. But yeah, it's this is what I do, man. I always listen to commentaries. So that's another resource, too. Uh, listening to directors' commentaries on movies, especially movies that you love. You, I, I like hearing the, the thought process of uh, directors uh, uh, and, and the choices they make uh, and why they made them. And it's also good to hear that on films that aren't good. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, this guy thought this film was going to be good, and it's it's shit, you know? So, like, what was his thought process? Why he thought this was going to work? You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's another great uh, resource, director's commentaries. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and one thing about your social media is that a lot of times you will post things that uh, – or you will post just you watching scenes. And I think that's uh, so cool. So I, I can imagine you having those 700 movies where you're just like, oh, here we are. I'm watching this movie and uh, this is what's up. Um, <laughs> and I, I, th- I, think that's, I think that's great. And it really is such a cool way to just stay engaged with your craft. You know what? It's it's like if I share a movie, especially if I'm like dating a woman or something like if I share a movie with that person, that's like me sharing part of my soul. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm introducing them to something that's like. Especially something that's you know, that's not even popular, nothing like that. It's like, yo, this is real near and dear to me. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> dating someone, and um, this is back when Saturday Night Live was was really popping, okay. and and it was like like you know side hurt funny every every weekend, and um, we were watching it, and I'm laughing, and it's a really funny skit. And like any person with an objective sense of humor should be laughing. And, and she was just like staring at the TV, trying to figure out what was funny. And then, uh, and I knew it was over. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, yeah, it's, that's real. I've, I've had that experience with, with movies. I had that, it's kind of off topic, but I had this experience one time at a basketball game. Um, I loved up and got some really, really good seats. And I took this girl's date into the game and like she's like digging in her purse and like pulls out a book, and I'm like, yo, and I just like I put my hand like like on the book and I was like, yo, look at those kids like sitting at the very top, like they would kill to be right here. Like, don't do that to these kids, man. Don't do that to people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just 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 I was gonna say, man up, woman up, and just <laughs> enjoy the experience. But you can't be sitting here reading a book on the floor. That's not fun, yo. <laughs> That's yeah, not yeah. the business. Yeah, it's, so, a bad, it's but, a bad luck. But yeah, I knew then that we're not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very Seinfeldian of us. And uh, back back when I was songwriting all the time, I I'm ashamed to say that I, I would try to get into some superficial relationships just so that I could break up with them and have fodder for <laughs> my next ten songs. <laughs> uh, oh, you you know the secret. <laughs> That's how it is. <laughs> it's like, I, I can't curate when I'm happy. I can't. You know what I started doing, man? What I started doing to kind of combat that is like, uh, and I started doing this like maybe 12, 13 years ago, is whenever I was feeling like kind of down or sad, I'd try to write happy stuff. And when mm-hmm. I was happy, I would try to write the sad stuff. Just yeah. so I didn't need that as a crutch. Now, I ended up having like a lot of happy poems. But <laughs> right, but, right. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, cause yeah, that's, that's the, you know, the tortured soul, man. That's where, unfortunately, sometimes that's where creativity lives. Yeah. And I think it's funny because it wasn't that my upbeat stuff, uh, from a tonal standpoint was worse, uh, uh than the, than the sort of sadder, more morose stuff. It's just mm-hmm. that you, it's just that the, the morose stuff you like better. Yeah, Pers- personally, <laughs> and that yeah. and that skews your ability to to do the other stuff uh, for sure. But um, that's too that's too funny, man. Uh, yeah. So so I spoke about your social. Um, where can everybody find you, by the way? Oh yeah, I'm I'm on uh, Instagram as Terry uh, underscore Jingles T E R R Y G I N G L E S, and uh, I'm on Twitter uh, Terry Jingles is one word, and just Terry Jingles on Facebook. Um, I'm around, man. You doing a lot on uh, Facebook? Are you more of a Twitter, Instagram person? Who, wh- which one do you use most? I use mo- I'm, I'm usually on Instagram most. Like I, 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 um, I usually just troll Twitter. 
because I, I still don't really know to, uh, understand how to how to use it. You know, what I'm saying like I I follow a lot of people and I and I engage every once in a while. But my my Twitter is mostly for Laker rants. That's mm-hmm. real. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Twitter, games yeah. The secret to Twitter is to uh, follow hashtags that uh, are, you're interested in and then jump in conversations on a regular basis. Ah. Um, so that's kind of the there's a little little secret nugget for you. And then also make lists. There's a list function on Twitter. Most people just look at it, have no idea what it's for. It's okay. actually quite amazing. Okay. And then um, uh, do you have a website or anything like else on the on the Internet? Outside of social, no. My web, my website is currently down at the moment, so not right now. Good deal. I don't even know if it's relevant anymore. Uh, that might be a question I just stop asking altogether, Terry. Because 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 <laughs> uh, why? You know, you, you can kind of use social as a website. So um, I feel especially with Instagram because it's so visual. You know, like yeah, I feel the same way. You can kind of get your point across. I think there's a there's a sense of um, it's like. A, when you used to have a, a, a landline, you had it right. so people thought you were an established adult. <laughs> exactly. That, that's what having a website's like. Well, I am legit. I have a website. See? Um, <laughs> but if you actually want to talk to me, find me on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what I do now when I meet people. I don't even ask for their numbers anymore. Just, what's your what's your IG? You know yep. what I'm saying? That's the way, that way I can put a face to a name. And if I, if I have to talk to you, then I'll just hit you in a DM real quick, you know? So, yeah, that's that's the way. It's the way of the future, man. Yep. It's the way of the now, my friend. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> right. I'm messing with you, man. Uh, this is this has been a blast, man. Your, your feedback uh, is going to be a, a great reward for for every listener uh, that's going to um, hear this. So, so I I know you're busy. I really appreciate and thank uh, thank you so much for uh, getting getting together with me. Man, I thank you for for I'm honored that you guys asked me, uh, and I'm really happy for you and Nick for getting this off the ground and everything else you guys are doing. You guys are inspiring too, man. So, and I'm so glad we kept in contact. Uh, it's been for, for for four years, man. So everything happens for a reason, and uh, I'm definitely it was definitely been a blessing. Yeah, likewise, I feel the same way, man. Um, have a great afternoon, and go out there and crush it. You too, man. All right, thank you, brother. Anytime, bro. All right, bye. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects, social media, and transcripts of this interview please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash podcast. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, If you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.